you're going to get a suit is one of my catchphrases. It's Now it's one of your catchphrases. How many do you have now? Because you just can't cage the rage. Muggle, please. The Pikachu of sex. No, I'm the Pikachu of doing it. Oh. And of course, f*** you, Zach Braff. That's your catchphrase. Welcome, welcome, welcome nerds and nerdettes, welcome obscurials of all shapes and flavors. You're listening to the The Nerd Nerd Obscurial Podcast. Hi, I'm Eric. And I am the one and only Oklahoma Kid. Well, we did it, gang. We got past season one. We got through our first list. I'm deciding that we're going to call each list a season. So, gang, we're we're going into season two. We're going to go a little bit more abstract, a little less contemporaneous. Although, it does have to do with a movie that's come out recently. So, I was watching Suicide Squad. Right? The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. And, and it was because of watching the James Gunn Suicide Squad and what he's done to that. Um, so, spoiler alerts, first off. For Suicide Squad, because yeah, he he basically it's not a reboot. I don't it really have any the other movie, well, but it blows it up, you know. Well, I I guess he took this franchise that frankly the first movie was just a big shit on. It was and not great. He no. turned it around. Yes. He made it awesome. He made it what Suicide Squad should have been in the first place. It's exactly. what all the fans wanted. <clears throat> it was and what's what James Dunn does so good and why he was the perfect fit for that. It was funny. Yes. It was hilarious. And it was weird and it was visually beautiful. And it like, there was like humor in the fucking gratuitous violence, which yes. is just like yeah. am- exactly what Suicide Squad should be. It should yes. be weird and kooky and all these kind of things. Yeah. So this is what, what's important. What I'm calling it is fix a franchise. Right. There was this franchise out there and there were parts and elements where he had that were already working really good. Obviously, Probably. Margot Robbie. Yeah. So the idea is, yeah, we're we're taking things that it's kind of gone a little off the rails, sometimes even from the start. But and we're like, how would you write the ship without rebooting? You know. Right. And we're, that's kind of like so. So I, I we have to set some ground rules here. I have a couple here. questions, and I right. want to use I want to use Fantastic Four as an example. Okay. So here we go. Because I believe how you explained it to me when we when you suggested this list to me and I asked you was the idea of a trailer. Is there a trailer? So. Oh, I was saying, is there a trailer for for the franchise? Fantastic Four is the great example. There isn't so, a trailer so, yeah. out yet. Fair so good. here's well, so here's my thing. So they had the two different versions that have already come yeah. out. So the first version, the one right. with Chickless and Chris Evans, which would be torch, easier to try to fix. Admittedly. Be, admittedly, but it would not qualify for no. this list because they already did already a been reboot retconned. of it that came out. Already been retconned. Yeah. Now, 
there's only the other the second version with uh, Michael B. Jordan and Kate Mara. Yeah. That version only had the one movie. Right. But it, clearly it was being set up to be a franchise, obviously. It was trying to do so a sequel, it but it even though there wasn't, shat the bed so hard. Yeah. That it so even though they only did the one, it still counts since it clearly was going to be a franchise. So that would still be yes. on the table. Yes. Right? That wouldn't DQ. Yes. Disney bought the rights, bought Fox Studios who had the rights. So the rights have reverted to Marvel. So we know that either way, even if they hadn't made some announcement about being doing stuff with Fantastic Four yet – we would know that, that that franchise is not carrying on because it's going to be something in the MCU. So that franchise we know is dead. Mm. That does not disqualify it. Correct? Correct. Like I could still say like, okay, if you were going to do it, here's what I'd do. Correct. And the fact – and then and – then, but they have made an announcement. We know that it's, it's one of the ones that's coming up. They're starting the work on it. We haven't seen anything, but they have said, yeah, this is not just in like the theoretical phase – we're having people right now begin the process. Right. That still doesn't disqualify it. Yes. How, how I like to do – We have to actually see some physical – like you said. Right. Like a trailer or at least some concept art, something. Right. Like something has to be released to the public. In in, in the past, we've we've talked about other comic book stuff on um, the previous podcast iteration. Anything. The second you see a trailer, then it gets off the books. Yeah. Right. Once they actually trailer happens, some type of thing to the right. public. Some kind of visual it. representation that would okay. actually give you any kind of idea what's going on. You're shooting in the dark until that point. Once right. once you have that point, then you you've got the little keyhole view of what's happening into that movie, the tone or some of the visuals and stuff like right. that. And then it's too easy to get skewed from that right. representation. Exactly. As well something that's mid franchise you know it's like trying to oh i'm gonna fix a franchise new hope before empire strikes out comes you know or empire strikes back comes out you know so it's, it's almost better if it's one that's kind of dead in the water at the moment. It, preferably yeah like because no one really saw suicide squad doing anything else you know yeah if it, 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 it was kind of sitting there if it didn't have a sequel coming out within a two-year period then you figured the franchise was pretty much over that's kind of yeah. how a lot of these things happen so this being said, also, I don't want to make this just comic podcast exclusive thing. It's not a comic pod. We're going to be discovering and talking about other parts of the entertainment business, not just... Yeah, I've got two and two. Two of, two of mine are, uh, are comic book character related and two are not. So yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to do a list like this this time just to kind of... So it's not just comic books. Yeah, get our, you know, get our get some other stuff in get there. Get some wings, some air under our wings. Start moving around within the world, not just talking about comic book stuff. And you know, we love that stuff as well. It's funny that neither of us went towards some of the other franchises. Star Wars and Harry Potter are a little bit hard to make a case for. Harry Potter, I didn't go with Harry Potter because they're mid franchise. <laughs> yeah. With the whole Grindelwald saga. Right. And Star Wars, the main saga wrapped itself up. There really isn't a thing to like go, well, here's what I'd fix with that. Because that, that aspect of the franchise is done. They've closed the book on that. Right. You know, so there you'd be talking about retcon rather than fixing the franchise. And as far as outside that main saga, what's going on mainly right now is Mandalorian, which is fucking perfect. So there's right. nothing to fix. Right. So that's kind of – because Star Wars, I'm like, eh. But then it didn't really, because you know I have my qualms about the last one, but but where the franchise is at right now is Mandalorian, and I'm like, 
aces. That's good. Right. So, yeah, we want to spread our wings a little bit more, look outside the other areas of entertainment. This episode <laughs> brought to you by pretzels and Modelo Chilado Limon y Sal. Salty bread and salty beer for a salty people. America. And I guess also Mexico. So why do you only call when drinking alcohol? Okay, welcome, welcome back, guys. Lightning round, season two, question one. Subject Ain't nothing but a G. Gordy Liddy thing. Which of these are true about G. Gordon Liddy? A. To overcome overcome his fear of snakes, he slept in a bed of snakes, putting pillow bags full of snakes all around his bed. Or B. To overcome his fear of rats, he took a dead rat, his mouse caught, he skinned and ate it, skinned, cooked and ate it, so the rat would fear him the way they feared the cats. Because his mouse caught a rat. Okay. To overcome his fear of rats, uh-huh. he took a dead rat uh-huh. that his cat there caught. There we go. There Sorry. Uh, I'm gonna go with that one. That's correct. All right. Number two, illegal alien ant farm. Which one of these happened? This is of course about the group alien, alien ant, ant farm, farm who uh, famous for doing a cover of Smooth Criminal. Very good. Yeah. A Lead guitarist Terry Corso was arrested after punching a fan who he believed threw urine on him. Or B, singer Dryden Mitchell was arrested at a Los Angeles airport for trying to smuggle marijuana in a flashlight, thinking the authorities would not touch it. B. It's A. Oh! Number three, ancient Chinese secret ingredients. Oh, boy. Which one of these are real? Oof. (laughs) Tongzi Dan or virgin boy eggs, are eggs cooked in the urine of schoolboys, or B, yongyang tang, or nourishment soup, is made with quote-unquote male caviar, also known as fish jizz. B. It's A. Really? Fish jizz is an ingredient in Asian cuisine, but it's shirako, which is Japanese. Uh. And yongyang tang is actually a Korean thing. Next one is C.S. Lewis Black. Which one was this? Was it C.S. Lewis or, C- or Lewis Black that said mm-hmm. this? Comedian. Yeah, comedian Lewis and Black. Author. I'm amazed that anyone is interested in what I have to say. C.S. Lewis. It's Lewis Black. Yeah. I could have – that one, they both probably – Yeah, no, and that's why definitely the, the, the way that is always. Mm-hmm. Okay, number five. Houses of the Holy Diver. Is this about lead singer Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. or Ronnie James Dio who sang Holy Diver and is yes. Ronnie James fucking Geo? Being that rock and roll hadn't been invented yet, the style of opera singer Mario Lonzo guided this rock pioneer to his signature sound. Dio. Very good. Yeah, Plant's definitely Two and three. trying to be opera. Dio's a very... Plant's just letting it fly. But he has more range like an opera singer, so I thought it would maybe. Yeah. And also, I just liked Houses of the Holy Diver, basically. Yeah. Okay, so this one is Crouching Monkey Hidden Racism. 
Which one of these happened this week? Again, both of these are things that actually happened. One of them didn't happen this week, happened in the past. Okay. But both of these are about particularly Which... AI and racism. Was it A, this happened on Facebook, whose AI asked users watching a video featuring black man if they wanted to see more quote-unquote videos about primates, or B, Google Photos, which continually tagged computer programmer Jackie Alcini and his girlfriend as gorillas. Well, I think I've lost either way, so I'm going to go with Google. It was actually Facebook. All right. That happened this week. The Google thing happened back in 2016 when nice. Google Photos was still you know, beginning. Working just, out. Just this last week, Facebook had to apologize to the black community for their AI wanting to know if they if someone want to watch more video about primates because black folk were there. Good lord. All right. Okay, so we that was two. Two that for was two. Two, two and six. four. Two for six. Yeah. So uh, just got to get two, three right here and I win. Just for just for the sake of formality, I'll ask sure. you some questions. All right. As I always, could get, I could do a big yeah, donut. You, you know, the, there's it's still a game, uh, baby. So as always. Starting it off with Lock It Down, Mr. Spock. Was this the uh, Mr. Spock from the Enterprise or philosopher John Locke who said, Superior ability breeds superior ambition? Locke. No. Ah. Uh, that was Spock. Brand new category this season coming out. Nice. Hippogriff or Honky Gringo? I'm going to give you a name. I want you to tell me. Whether this is the name of a magical beast from the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, or whether it's a slang term for some demographic of white. So people. not a particular hippogriff. This isn't the name of a particular hippogriff. No, no, I this just could be any magical, magical beast. beast. Yes. Any magical beast. Any magical in the beast Harry Potter. in the Harry Potter thing, or is it a slang term used for a, a demographic of white people? Okay. Palmy. P-O-M-M-Y. Palmy. I'm going to say magical beast. No. Okay. According to Wikipedia, it's a term used by native New Zealanders for Brits. Okay. All right. Uh, may have to take exception. I said it's for a demographic of white people. I didn't say you it's said not from honky. another. I, honky is an example of a— Honky of, is American, though. No. Hon- you don't call a Brit a honky. No, honky is just an example for the title. Okay, I got you. It's I, right? I didn't understand. Like I didn't understand that it was just white people in general. I thought yeah, it just was like it's not Americans. Specific. Okay, just like okay. Yeah, I, hippogriff is in it's the title, okay. but. Welcome back. Uh, pretzels would like to apologize to cats for making them be involved in this mess. <laughs> Uh, and we're on in the ring or on the range. Is this an Old West outlaw or a professional wrestler? Haystacks Calhoun. It's so obviously a cowboy thing that I naturally want to go to the wrestler thing. But then it's like, that's what you want me. This is the Princess Bride moment. But this is exactly what you, that yeah. you know. <laughs> that I know that you know that I switched cups. I'm going to say it's a wrestler. Correct. Yes. It's a wrestler. Okay, broke the streak. Finally got one. Uh, next, we have the final, the swan song for the category of West by Ye West. Uh, so is this true of political activist and professor Cornell West or giant mess Kanye West? 
That needs to be on his business card. By yeah. the way, giant mess. Kanye West, giant mess. <laughs> it rhymes. See, yeah. Like this West has been arrested multiple times. Cornell West. It was a trick question. It was I'm both. Gonna give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. It was both. I right. Myself. No, but um, Cornell West has had to have been arrested several Cornel, times for demonstrating Cornel and West all that has kind been, of stuff. has been arrested several times. Uh, yes, at demonstrations and peaceful protests, right. civil disobedience. Right. And Kanye West, I believe it's twice, has uh, gotten arrested for punching uh, paparazzis. So, uh, to the best of my knowledge, neither of them have ever see, been charged or sentenced. Just, I would say just under arrested. semantics, if it's only been two times with Kanye, that does not constitute several. A few times. Well, either way, you got it. You got, got the it. one who got well, the Well, I'm just saying. But I want to yeah. further justify not saying that you had that was a gimme, but right, yes. you know, you are you made the correct choice. Yeah, that it's far more likely Cornell West, but it also happens it was both. Next, of course, we have the West Wing, and was this Richard Nixon or Billy West playing Richard Nixon's head in Futurama? I like to kick them when they're down. I distinctly remember Billy West saying that in Futurama. Yes, of course. Round it out, just to put the cherry on the top, can you get the anime or may not? Is this a real Japanese anime cartoon? Mega Castle Boy Super Unagi Space Dominion. It has to be an anime. I'm sorry, it does. You made that up. I made that up. And have you verified that isn't? You have yes, verified that them. is not. Uh, as of as of when I wrote it down in the book, so unless they made that in the last like two weeks. Which is very likely. But still, but when you did to it, the best in the of book, my knowledge. Okay. Not an anime. No, it sounds I Googled, I Googled so it. much yeah. like an anime. Good either, red herring. Either way, you won. And, Just uh, by one, though. I only bat a, a 50% there. No, uh, yeah. Three to two that time. We both were under par or over par. Um, let's get to the other side, and we will do Master of This Domain. Brought to you by Modelo Chilado Limoni Sal. Salty yet refreshing. Just like pretzels, America's bread. And just like Americans, salty yet refreshing. She is saying, Okay, and we're back, Oklahoma. This is your baby. Why don't you bring her in? This is something. I was trying to find crazy websites, and there turned out to be a bunch I couldn't find. So this is something that is not there, at least at the time of this recording, at you know www.this.com.net.org. No website specifically dedicated to this. So we circumvent the whole system. Exactly. Fuck the internet. Let's make up our own domain. See where we go. So what's this week, baby? All right. So this season we're gonna have a little bit of a theme. Nice. To uh, it's kind of a complete set for master of this domain. We're gonna start off with. Hamster fights. Hamster fights. Hamster fights. This is plural, not singular. Yes. So the first thing in my head that comes up when I hear hamster fights is I, I think like hamsters in a UFC octagon. Hamsters going at it. And, but actually what I think of immediately is like those kind of settings with the hamster octagon mm-hmm. or like hamster boxing ring and stuff like that. But remember, have you ever seen the movie uh, Dinner for Schmucks? No, but I heard about it. <laughs> and Steve Carell is 
really good in it. He is really funny because he's Steve fucking Correll. But his whole thing was that he would take dead mice and like make little scenes, Mm -hmm. like little uh, vignettes. And he'd have like all the miniatures all set around and take these photos of them. Uh And so that's what I picture of like seeing uh, a hamster doing like the real famous Muhammad Ali with the hook arm. Reenacting famous boxing moments. Right, yeah. Famous fight moments. Little taxidermy hamsters right. doing right. doing uh, the the rumble in the jungle. Well, I mean, it's, it's by saying fight, so you could Include expand all- it out where it's all the little hamsters from um, doing the scene from Infinity War where they're all going against uh, Thanos and yeah. having like all of that. So that's one thing. See where my mind goes is I want it to be a saga being told uh so this website it has all kinds of materials it's like got text and pictures and and it's got reenactments of these historical events and it's all about the wars starting with world war one it's telling the stories it's telling stories but they have fictionalized stories not real people's stories but are these but anthropomorphized no here's what it is is it like hamsters like the way that in a hitchhikers were the Mice were ultimately controlling everything. Like hamsters were actually the puppet masters for all these wars. Because I just because that's not bad either. Because it popped into my head. I'm like hamster fights. Hamster. What are some things you could do? Else you could do. And I thought of dog fights. Came up. But not dog fights. Not like you know Michael Vick. <laughs> hey. You I didn't say anything. If you're gonna get involved in dog fights, you better be ready to have some people talk some shit about you, man. You know. Not dog fights. Right. Aerial dog fights. Okay. So you'd have this website where you'd have all this information telling these stories and pictures and all kinds – like a scholarly website telling this saga like it's an ancient history about, you know, the America's wars. And it's all about, you know, aerial battles in these wars, aerial engagements. But the planes are all replaced with hamsters. Okay. okay. So it's hamster fights because it's – they're flying the hamsters – what would be funny is that if you had like an acronym for it, like a helicopter, uh, done, and it all spelled out hamster. So like the first like 10 pages, you kept saying the entire name of what this military right. thing is supposed to be. But then you just decide to use the acronym, the acronym. start calling it hamster. Okay, we know what this is now. We're calling it hamster. Yeah. And then finally revealed that it actually, actually hamsters. they are right. hamsters. Yeah, that they named it that because it is hamsters. And I want to see like like community theater level reenactments. Like this website doesn't have a lot of money, so they like they couldn't they couldn't even get like commercial actors, you know? Like right. they they are resorting to the they went to the community theater troupe and were like, hey, help us out with this. It's like so amateur, it's really bad and obvious and just yeah. like fantastically terrible theater. Exactly. Actor. Doing reenactments of a like fictionalized version of of America's wars, in terms of the aerial combat, like you know, right. top Top Gun, but they're flying hamsters. Right. Like mad, they, somehow they magically fly the hamsters, and the hamsters breathe fire, maybe, or maybe breathe lasers. Because it would actually to, every, they always be... always go with like it breathes fire or it shoots lasers out of its eyes. Why not breathe lasers? I, you know what? I'm committing to that. The hamsters instead of instead of guns, yeah. like the, in, in place, the hamsters are in place of the planes, in place of the guns on the planes. Yeah. The hamsters breathe lasers. Okay, I think we got that one. Let's head back for the next segment. I slapped her. She wasn't expecting. 
So, okay, we're back. Um, this is what we call working on my type 5, a.k.a. steal this joke. It's basically, I love comedy. I love, and I love being able to work on little comedy bits. I'm going to throw something out there. I think it's funny. I little worked on a little comedy thing for it. If you think it's funny too, you want to roll with it, have at it. Fair game for the taking. I hate to say a little bit because this is, well, this one's a little bit more personal. It's, um, this one is because my wife has depression. She's really good. She goes to therapy. She takes medication. She is really good on her mental health Oklahoma so so hard not to when your wife when you said my wife has depression I just wanted to say well she's married to you yeah <laughs> you can't just lob him over the plate man she was uh, taking medication before our marriage she recognized right her depression well before our marriage and but it's just I would actually argue your expense without that and that's what I live for help we would have maybe never been together. You know what I mean? Like, if she didn't have that... Uh, if she wasn't so good at putting that system... And Jesus Christ, it's a system. And I envy her mm. to have the constitution to deal with that system, to actually get to the doctors and actually go through the whole rigmarole. And it's not easy. No, it's not. They do not make it easy on you at all. Yeah. And if you fucking have no interest in it, she had a sociology background, so she has the interest. She knows what's at stake. She's there. Mm-hmm. She's in it, and she does a good job. But it's a funny thing because my wife has depression, because she is good about seeking help and um, she's got doing shit. everything that she's supposed to be doing. Yeah, she's got her shit together <clears throat> about it. She's got her shit together about it because she has that. It's like a whole new world opened up to me like i always thought when it came to depression the medication was kind of like changing a fuel pump in a piece of machinery and and i have a lot of machinery in my world so it's the easy analogy for me but it's like you know this thing is constricting and not putting enough of this chemical to this spot we put a new fuel pump in here we get the chemical flowing properly and boom we're done it's fixed Everyone goes home happy. But that's not what it's like with medication with people with depression. What it's like for people with medica- with depression, the medication is like a remote that you have to find batteries for in a junk drawer. You don't know if it's going to last a week. You, it could last a year. But I guarantee you those batteries are going to fail at the worst fucking moment possible (laughs) it's gonna fail when it's like the kid is screaming and they want spongebob and you're trying to turn the tv on and then it fucks all you know what i mean like uh and you yeah it's the, the transition from one to the other of medications is exactly like the batteries from a junk drawer. You have no idea what are going on with these batteries. Yeah. And uh, it could work a day. It could work a week. It could work a year. Uh, it'll work. Maybe. Maybe. It works till it doesn't. And you exactly. never know yes. when it doesn't. Yeah, that is true. So that's my 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 bit. <laughs> I would say that actually the most niche part about that was when you just said it's like putting in the fuel pump without like any further explanation. Interesting. Because I was like, where's he going with this? What? How is he pers- – like what – I don't know enough technically about machines to like have immediately got the analogy to just for you, you just saying it's a fuel you it's like changing a fuel pump and I'm like okay so 
how so? Yeah. No, <laughs> like, but, I'm like, but it's the I, was, I thought that was the niche these, part where these, I'm like, do I not understand enough these about chemicals to get the joke? No, but like, it's this, this chemical imbalance. And once you have yeah. something that will balance, once you have a machine in place that balances the chemicals, you're good. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people think that's what medication is. Yes. When, yeah, that, comes, and that is true. People do think that. Yeah. yeah. It, but especially with depression, yeah. it's not that at all. I think it has a broader audience than I. No, I don't think it's. I, like I said, I, I, I think, think a lot of people have dealt with depression. A lot, but it, but it's the thing of <laughs> making the analogy to the fuel pump is almost the more niche part. Right, really right. <laughs> and the thing is, is that like it's almost the niche thing is actually almost the people not dealing with depression trying to understand the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I feel like I, I'm, I, I'm I don't that really side because. That. I feel like she's doing everything right. She's yeah. doing all the good stuff. And not a lot of people are. And then not a lot of people understand that thing. It's a... But also, maybe it's just also too true to be really funny. No, I think <laughs> you it works. Know. Like, okay. you know, that's kind of like a human thing, dealing with that type of stuff. And lots of people deal with therapy and medications and stuff. I mean, fuck right. I do. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, it has that universal truth. Yes. Funny behind it, which is a really yeah. good laugh. You know. Yeah, and I you mean? tie it to that situation of like having the the kid, and you're just trying to turn the TV on to please the kids, the kids, yeah. and it's like the worst possible time. You know, you need that remote to work. You know. Yeah. I, people yeah, yeah. can relate to that, and they can relate to the idea of like you know of having that sh- those situations. Right. So I think it. Yeah, it makes sense. In it's the a, junk drawer, everyone's got a junk drawer. Everyone's everyone, got a junk drawer. And everyone's filled some batteries from that junk drawer into their remote. Yeah. And been like, how good are these batteries? What's going on? Yeah. There? How long are these gonna last me? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's just hope I get three minutes out of these batteries, you know. But that's, I think, I think that's where really the commonality and the funny yeah. to me is, is that like, that is the depression medication as well. Like, I just want three minutes. Just give me a few seconds <laughs> compared to what I had before. Yeah. Like, that's all I'm looking for here. And that's why it's the junk drawer. And that's oh, why yeah. it's such a heavy rotation. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely got some universal appeal. Like, right. Even even though not everybody has clinical depression, everybody deals with like those stresses, you know, and stuff. And everybody can kind of sympathize with that situation of it just being like, oh, I need this to work right now, even if it's just just for that moment. I right. just need it to fucking work to to get me over the hump. You know, I need something to go right. That desperation feeling, and yeah, that's it. Really is like that. You're you're scrambling through the drunk drawer, like fucking. Why do I have so many packets of goddamn soy sauce in here? Like, I just need a fucking battery. Oh, where did all these pins come from? Like, fucking, they're all. Yeah. Why are these pins all still in this drawer? They're dead. And you, you scratch the pin, and you're like, this this pin's dead. And then you put it back in the drawer, and you you know you keep looking for the battery. Right. And later on, you'll be like, why are there so many fucking pins in here? Yeah, it could definitely. Yeah. I think one that whereas the other ones maybe I take it too far. This one I may be slow playing a little bit, and like you could expand it out to a good ten. I think. Yeah, you could also kind of do that with the one you did about the, you know, my dad's an influencer. Technically, they called him a cult leader, but oh but yeah, I, but yeah. it also it's it doesn't stay as much of the same bit too. It's like you, you start expanding that out, and it but literally cult, just becomes the segue the for you leader, to be talking about family, but the to cult be, and your leader, parents. Yeah, exactly. But the cult leader is like the big reveal and the big funny there, whereas. I think there's just a funny premise about depression medication equals 
the junk, junk drawer, drawer batteries. Yeah, batteries. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like junk drawer batteries for the remote. It's well, like for the remote, for the television remote, not just like batteries for your kids, whatever that just needs to work for a second. Like this is your your. You need this. Your your view to the world. This is my programs. You yeah. know, it's Mama stories. <laughs> Mama stories, exactly. So. Why don't we take a little break, though? You take that, baby, and uh, we'll get to the list on the other side. All right. Okay, welcome back. Let's start off our new list, which is fix a franchise. We're going to go everywhere with this one, and this this choice is just going to really illustrate how, how far we can take this, in my opinion, because the clarification of this with fix this franchise, the word fix, and in my opinion, the content that's come out so far with this franchise doesn't need to be fixed. It's great mm-hmm. content. But there's a structure there that needs to be fixed. My first choice is Fantasia. Walt Disney, classical music set to the animation of Disney. The original has a super tender spot in my life, in my heart. It's amazing. And it's really hard for me to say fix. Also the source of uh, Sorcerer Mickey. Sorcerer Mickey, exactly. Or uh, technically Um, Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey. Yes, because Sorcerer's Apprentice uh, by Paul Dukas was the piece where he yep. appeared. And that's the um, famous thing of him with the brooms. And the too many brooms. So this was the thing about that Fantasia, though, was that it was never meant by Walt Disney to be a standalone piece. The idea he was trying to bring, and Stokowski was the name of the conductor, right? He got really famous people of the time. The idea that Disney had was, let's bring the theater to the masses and it's an amazing idea and it's something that's so beginning of the 20th century kind of sweet optimism about it's like Uh it's the first time that we can have people the whole world listen to don giovanni to listen to rite of spring and that which is a modern piece of this Mm -hmm. wagner uh bizet all these huge famous pieces there's a movie theater in all these towns now we can actually bring the theater to the world was the world ready for it (laughs) well ultimately it was i think a, a design failure because at that time they couldn't get enough artists to do it like now the way that we have computer generated graphics and everything right so much less time easily done and and actually where i want to bring it to would be something much closer to like a disney plus show but have it be like the night at the theater uh, the the weekly matinee you know once a week you get around and you get yeah Tchaikovsky's uh swan lake mm-hmm. you get i debate whether it needs to even be broadened more than just the Western classical pieces. Like maybe there needs to be an entire time dedicated to first people song and origin story opus kind of thing. Not just have it be, Western you know, composers. Western operas and Western 
uh, yeah. get symphonies from, and stuff like that. Get 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 everybody involved, really. Like, yes, have some Asian stuff, have some First People stuff, have African stories and yeah. folklore and stuff. Like, I remember loving so much the stuff that, like Harry Belafonte would do. You know, the old folk stories and like I know it isn't really where Fantasia was but having that be a part of it I think would be really cool like I would be all for all that and I think in this day and age we are more sensitive towards trying to tell those other stories that it would be actually beneficial to bring it to the new age of what a night in the theater should be yeah what and, and that's the thing is that they have that same feeling when you watch a show that night in the theater, you know, mm. but it's changed so much because it's at your home. But so no one has that celebration anymore. No one has that kind of like wanting to go out and crave and feel something new to have that new experience to, to be vulnerable in this dark place and to see this whole crazy new world. Okay, there was a lot of uh, motions you made over there. I don't know if that uh, was bad or good. I believe I believe the I believe the phrase you said was vulnerable in the dark. And of course, we have to say, directed by Luke Warren. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there was something just so something so great and charming about these old classical pieces with animation with them. Like yeah. it's just something that really like brings it alive and makes it more accessible and helps you appreciate what was going on there. And like, I just, I really want to see a lot more of that. And I felt like that's always where Disney's intention was where with, with it too. And so that's why I say fix and I have a real hard time kind of putting it on the list, but because I kind of want to be true as to the idea and spirit of it rather than what was produced. Because it was going to be amazing, I think, either way. It would be even that much more amazing if he was able to do it, but he wasn't. And we just have these pieces of it. But now he could. Fucking now he could. Very easily with the technology we have. It is interesting, the idea of shifting it from things that are kind of considered the artistic classics. Right. You know, these are very big pieces of music, you know, famous pieces of music as studied as, you know, the work of the masters. And it, and there is there could be something interesting it that would be, you know, different. It would be a change in going to that folk music. Like I said, Harry Belafonte. So, and yeah. you're kind of like using it to tell and cuz there's a meta commentary because I mean like that's what theater is, is telling our stories. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of almost like by doing different folk tales from different cultures with their music and and their telling of this thing, it's kind of like you're going around to the world's different theaters. You know, you're not just right. going to a theater. You're not just going to the you know Prince Albert Hall. You know, and right. what's there? It's like each week you could and with each different one, all the different you know, having the different segments. You could have you know, it's like okay, this segment is like what you're gonna see if you go to the theater in Japan. Can one of the knights at the theater of this thing just be Donald and Goofy doing Waiting for Godot? Well, the thing is, is that I really like the idea of it being like a weekly thing. Yeah, like so was, one, the one week they'd be doing... Well, no, that's what I'm saying. You have to fill so many nights. Then you, there, There's uh, 52? Weeks a year? Yeah. Yes. 
So that's just one year. So that's just season one. It's 52. So no reruns. You're like, this is Daily Show style. We are. Well, I think there is the, the possibility on like, you know, hey, certain exceptions for some holidays. But I would say it, it should be a working man schedule. Yeah, you get off the big holidays. You're not going to fucking work every week or every day, maybe, you know. You get off you get off a couple weeks a year. But um, always bringing it. Me and Oklahoma are blue collar, so we live by a code. I don't wear no collar. Collars are for slaves and dogs. The audience may not Buffalo know. Bill Hickok told me. Is that because Oklahoma does not wear collars, all of his shirts have a Hulk-esque hanging off of the arm feeling about that. It makes it both intimidating, erotic, and confusing, and a little bit pedantic. I don't know how. Pedantic. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> it does, but it does. Okay, well that may be. Um, I want to see Mickey doing the uh, doing Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. See this watch? Fuck you, that's a riot. No, that's not really Mickey. Hey everybody. No, I can't. I want to have the music connection. I really do. I want there to be, and that's why, like, with the folk stories and stuff like that, like. If there's some music involved, but I feel like if you if you just do prose and spoken word and you don't have musical involvement, it, it is kind of betraying Fantasia a little bit. Do you feel that? I can feel that. I don't know. Can we I have? Mean... Oh god. Can we have one where it's the Disney gang? Um. That really went off the deep end. Okay, okay. Let's recollect ourselves, have a little break. We'll get Oklahoma's first list choice of the season. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back from a very long tangent. Oklahoma. So this is one way, and I asked, you know, the fact that it was just one movie. Waterworld. Waterworld. Yes. And actually, okay, full disclosure here. You've never seen it. No, I'm giving full, full disclosure. You've never seen the stunt show. I don't even know what Waterworld is. Full, full disclosure. For the conversations we have off mic. I had this on my list. And Oklahoma pointed out that like, hey, actually, in the uh, previous iteration of this shit, we talked about this and it was on mine. And I remember the fact that, yes, you had original dibs on this. Yes. So I am full bore with this, although I do have to say that I think it should be done in a particular way. Mm Mm-hmm. But this is your pick, so I'm yes, not gonna I'm not gonna shoehorn myself into the way that I want to talk about. It. So Waterworld, I think, is not perfect, but I think is underrated. I think it was this thing that got hyped up because it was such a big production. It was costing so much, and they were shooting out in the ocean off Hawaii, and you know, it was it was a big deal. And then the movie did not do that well, and I so it becomes this it. thing where everyone's like, it's a huge failure. It only you know made a million dollars. Where it's like, it could have made none. You know, it could have lost all its money. Well, I'm going to go a step further. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to say 
Waterworld, minute and a half before she horned in. Got it. Nice. Yeah. Waterworld is uh, ahead of its time. And actually, that was my big argument why it should be included on here. Is that if Waterworld was made in this year, Mm -hmm. it would blow your fucking mind. Like, you would be all in on the story. You Mm -hmm. would be there. Like, the content matter with the way that we're seeing climate change, with all this kind of stuff. Like, this is a moment that Waterworld would have done great at. I thought there were good things about the movie, though. wasn't perfect. But like I said, I think it's underrated. I think it's better than people think it is. Yeah. Think of it as because it was such a you know financial disaster. Right. You know when the production was so plagued with problems and the sets kept like washing away out to sea and shit. You know that it kind of turned into this thing where like man they went all out on this movie and it just um and had all these problems. But the movie itself I think turned out okay. But not perfect. But not perfect. But there there is a lot of cringe stuff out so we don't want to. Have rose tinted glasses where this mm-hmm. was a great movie. No, no, no it was no, not no, a no. great movie. No. And I think there was. I'm a, saying I was. A it was lot. better than people think of it as. Right. And people think right. of it as, as like just really bad. And I'm like, no, it's all right. Right. Well, I think that like Dennis Hopper. Dennis and Hopper going was there great in it. Was well, no, he was great, of course, because he is great. Yeah. But the world created around Dennis Hopper mm-hmm. is the big disappointment. You know, like the, the the structure, like if Dennis Hopper was like Gorgeous George in the latest Mad Max, mm-hmm. we'd make a lot more sense. But there was none of that. It was like him and two jet skis. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, guess. like what the fuck is that? Like yeah. there's no army. There's no big threat. There's nothing like that. The thing with Fix This Franchise, you got to – Deal with who you have. You go to Tina Mar- uh, Majorino now. So it's taking place like they did with like the Star Wars, where it takes place the real number of years that pass between the movies. Yeah. Is the amount of time that's passed in world. You know, so it's this the is the easiest way to make all the yeah, aging. Exactly. You go to that and it's it's right. thirty years later and now, you know, she's all grown up. Jean Triple Horn is old, you know, you have her doing like the old lady makeup kind of thing, you know, or something or Frankly where I saw it Or actually I guess she'd be just exactly how old she is now. So my apologies to Jean Triple Horn. Probably keeping tight. I picture it kind of like, kind of like a thing that traveled. So things would spin off. Kind of like, kind of like how Harry, the Harry Potter in terms of the movies has gone. They had the Harry Potter series, and that was its own thing, and it ran, and there was not other stuff going on. There was just the Harry Potter series, and now that spun off a new series, the Fantastic Beast series. And they're like, that's going to be like five movies long. So then, what if they spin out something from that? So then you'd have. Are you doing an origin thing, but? Before the time of the Kevin Costner, no. Water so, World, so what I'm suggesting is after. What I'm suggesting is so you do like two more movies centered on Tina Majorino's character, and Kevin Costner appears, Gene Triplehorn appears. The second one would kind of be a mix. The first one was Kevin about Kevin Costner. You'd have one that's about Kevin Costner and Tina Majorino kind of equally. And, like, his mentorship role to her that he's taken on and kind of father figure role. So, he, you know, he always comes back, you know, but he then he goes back out to sea kind of thing. You know what, actually? But, um, but like he always comes see... back and sees her or she goes out and visits him, you know, whatever. So they've had a relationship. Can we put a pin on that? Cause I Hold on. To say there. No, put a pin on that. We'll okay. come back to it. So the second movie is really about their relationship. And in the third movie, that's the crux of the movie. That's, like, the end of Act 2 or whatever is – he dies is when right. he dies, right? And there, it'd be kind of a passing the torch story. The word gets out somehow 
And there's some unsavory people, some you know Dennis Hopper style people yeah. who hear about the dry land. So there are attacks, and so he kind of always seems to show up right in time and save the day. Kind of that's the whole thing is him being a reluctant hero in the first movie. You know, he's this right. loner guy, but he has to save this kid and help them find dry land and become dedicated to them right. at the end. So I think what you do is then in the intervening time, he's basically been this person. He's been going and rescuing people who need help and bringing them back to dry land. He's been protecting dry land from the people who want to like take advantage of it and want to right. like, raid it, Dennis, you know, be like Dennis Hopper's character. Right. So he's been out kind of living up to that role. Like he kind of becomes this kind of heroic figure by the end. And so she's kind of been she's the one who, you know, led them to dry land. Right. And she kind of wants to get escape that. She's it's too right. much pressure, it's too whatever. So she kind of goes off and becomes his sidekick where it can be just the two of them out there. She just wants to run away from that. And they're going out and they're rescuing people and they're fighting off bad guys and whatnot, you know, and she's not right. being around people as much. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. You know, someone's kind of got to take over, take over this ship and be the one sailing around, bringing people back to dry picture, land. Picture and, more of a, like a big brother relationship there, right? It isn't really like a fatherly relationship. It's more of like, like a I said, big brother. It's, Almost more of a mentor relationship than right. father, but mentor a little, protege. a little bit. It's it's thirty percent surrogate father. It's seventy percent mentor. You know, well, that's why I said like right. it's almost like they've fallen into like a Batman Robin kind of relationship. I get it and now. It's, I get it And now. it's like he's saying, you know, like look, dude, you know, like Batman at some point has to say to Robin, like, well, dude, I'm, you know, turning seventy this year. I am not Kryptonian or injected with a super soldier. At some point, Batman's going to have to retire. You know, Robin's going to step into that role because the world needs a Batman, you know? And she feels like she's got to be the one to figure it out, to have the answers and stuff like that, and to have actually that voyage that she goes on with Kevin Costner's character be about seeking that answer, being about, like, how did I get this tattoo? I need to know so that I can lead my people properly, kind of. She's going to try yeah. to get away from that. Like, it's too much. Yeah. She just wants to be her. And all these people are expecting answers from her. Like, she's right. the one who read the map. She's the one who led them to dry land. Right. And as right. she's gotten older, they've kind of expected her to step up into a leader. Right. They're like, why? You, of course you're going to be the next president. You're the one who had the map. You're the one who led us. But here. that's why I feel like once you come of age, you're going to be the king. Guilt. Like I don't know. Exactly. Like, I need to figure this shit out myself. Like, uh, like I've got all this pressure on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, I see it less that she goes and tries to find those, and more that it's it's an escapism. That she tries to escape from it because she doesn't have them and she doesn't right. know how to handle that. Right. And it's more about he's teaching her to get to a place where she understands how to take on that role without knowing those answers. The people all want answers from her. She doesn't know those answers. She doesn't know what to do. She goes out on the boat with Kevin Costner to get away from everybody. He teaches her that she has to figure out how to teach them that they don't need those answers. Those are answers that we may never get. And it's about the people feel like they need those answers. And it's about her learning that taking on that leadership role is not having those answers. It's being able to lead them and support them, you know, to help these people through the fact that we don't have those answers. She has to lead with that of like, we don't know, but it's going to be okay. And again, that gets you back to the idea of, you know, having hope. Maybe even she finds out. Maybe that's the thing. She goes, she finds out it's not what she thought. She was expecting some big answers. 
No. They just were on a boat. They randomly hit dry land one day, and they made the map on her back, and they eventually they start to die. They get they get sick or something or poisoned or whatever. You know, something happens to them, and they're not going to make it, and so they send her out on the boat, you know, hopefully to be found. It was there's no big answer. There was no there's no big thing where oh your your parents were the ones who were these explorers who figured out this. And nope, just completely random. They were just two people, like almost like the thing with Ray in the second of the new movies, Last Jedi. You know, there's this scene, and of course it gets contradicted in the last movie. But there's this scene where Kylo Ren is gonna reveal. He's like, I know who your parents were, and she's like, uh, uh you don't know. And he's like, I know. And he goes, they were nobody. They were just people. And I'm saying it's like that's what Tina Majorino finds out something like that, like what he that story he was telling her. Okay. They weren't anybody in this in this grand right. story of the of what's you going on in this narrative. galaxy. You, you can't have that, that narrative, narrative of, where there's no final answer. There's you're no wrong, rhyme or reason. It's just completely okay. random. Her parents just woke up one morning and their boat had bumped into dry land. And there was there was no answer to how they found it. There was no method. There was no means. It just completely random. And then they died, and they sent her off with the map. I mean, and and like I said, that would just be the story that you do with her and with Kevin Costner. Right. And so then and you kind of finish out this whole story. But you'd have Easter egged something. You'd kind of set up like a minor character in one of those new movies, and that spins off into another trilogy that's like takes place in the world. It acknowledges the events. It's a, it's not a reboot, not a separate thing. It's a spinoff. So okay. it's sharing that universe the way that the Fantastic Beasts takes place in the same universe as all the Harry Potter movies. Because there's a lot to explore in this world of like, you know, they showed like the one town and then they go off and they're hunting for the thing. You know, so, so you've got this one atoll where they live and then and then you have spend a little bit of time there. You see a little bit of like what's going on with Dennis Hopper's crew. But like you said, it's kind of like, you know, sparse. There's like right. three dudes in a jet ski. Um, right. <laughs> in some some parts, and you get a lot of you get a fair amount of like him at sea, like what Kevin Costner's life is like on his boat, you know, always never oh never stopping, you know. But I feel like there's a lot to to get into of how is society surviving this particular situation, this idea of, you know. So I mean, we see a little bit of how that little atoll town works. I wanted like a movie where it really gets into that, you know, a series where like you really explore that. And then you do another series that really explores, you know, because this was the kind of showing all the different. The first movie built a really interesting world to me and showed a little bit of all these different aspects of it because it was, you know, trying to introduce this world. And it's like I want to see like each kind of those different aspects really get like stretched out into its own thing. So you have like a series of like three Waterworld movies, part of the franchise, but that's like a its own kind of self-contained story at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's all about what it's like for the for people who are out there who are just living on their boat. Like they'd never, they hardly ever go into those atoll towns. They just live out on the open waters. Well, they're all living on the open waters, but you know what I fucking mean. What is it about this world why you want to really expand? Why you want to make a franchise out of it? First off, I'm just fascinated by the ocean. I like the idea that this is the ultimate survival environment, I guess, partially. Like it's interesting that like the idea of having a dystopia where you don't even have solid ground. You're living on the ground, and for the ground, like, it's a it's a major, like, whoa, something, you know, big happened. Right. For the ground to fucking kill you. You know, you're talking about an earthquake. You're talking about a sinkhole. Right. You know, for the ground under your feet to fucking kill you. But, like, the ocean, you know, one of these people living on these atolls or on their boat, you fall over, and there's a strong current, and 
you're swept out and now you're like oh shit you know this could be a matter of hours if i can't that, that if it, i can't get back to that boat if i can't get back to that atoll and it could be just like and that's if oh it, you're you're, and that's you're if it does 100 yards away but the current's against you and it's like if that's if it doesn't break your brain on a fucking undertow and a big rock you know yeah. and it's like i want to see the different corners of that you know right absolutely i want to see like the different methods that people are using to survive and i mean that's what the overall series would be about like the different ways that people ultimately find hope. Right. You know, that's the emotional journey of all these stories. Because it has to be. It has to be that because, I mean, this that's the world they live in. You know, you look out at the, around the world out around you and, it, you know, in, in this water world and you're just like, we are fucked. There's no other way to think of it than we are fucked. No, we but are hanging on ultimately by it's red because we are literally inches away from just drowning to but death. It's just and human... this is where we sleep. That's an underlying theme that, through, that you would have through the whole thing. Right. Is this idea of like, they all kind of start in the place of people being just like, we just got to live. And it's kind of the emotional arc of realizing there's something to live for rather than just brute survival. What interests me is the idea of like, so what kind of society can you build in that situation? Like, what are people doing? I want to see kind of getting into the different scenarios how people cope with this world. Like, how are people surviving? Not just physically, not just like the actual animalistic, like how are they getting their food? How are they getting their shelter? But like, how not how are people, like plural, but how is people, with a capital P, surviving this world? Like, how is the, the human spirit enduring in this world? The different ways people are trying to like build back to the world they know. Even when it seems like they never can, that'll it'll never they'll never really get there because that world is gone. It's it's buried under you know miles of water. I think that's where you go with the franchises. You explore these different corners. How are different people coping? Because that's the thing. Peep, some people are like you say, they're just gonna go fucking savage. They're gonna be like, whatever it takes, I will eat your baby if I have to to fucking survive. And some people are gonna be like, okay, we need to build a town. How do we fucking build a town? You know, how do we all get together and there's five of us. We need to figure out how to work together to build this fucking town. And some people are going to be like, it's all, it's everyone for themselves. But some people are naturally going to be like, no, we got to work together. Otherwise, we never would have, that sort of instinct also has to be in us. Otherwise, we never would have built society in the first place. No, absolutely. We'd all just be in fucking caves yeah. throwing spears at each other. There has not to a race be, thing. There has to be a. Uh... That dichotomy, for sure, and that interplay. I also think it would be interesting, and I, I there's a there's a movie that just came out that I, I only saw like the one trailer for it, the Hugh Jackman movie that just came out. In the trailer, it looks like they're dealing with this kind of idea of like the waters have risen, but not to the level where Waterworld is at yet. And it's kind of so uh. maybe this is maybe this would be a DQ'd idea. But I also think no, you, it's you not do DQ'd. you would do like a series. Of these movies, you know, one of these sets of trilogies that you do in the universe of Waterworld, you'd go back and it would be like, so there's the where we're at now, where we live on dry land, and there's right. Waterworld as we see it in the Kevin Costner right. movie. Right. I want to see a story like uh, at the halfway point. Yeah, I, I, I think definitely, I think we're both in agreement on that's that's a really cool way of, of bringing it out, and that's where it should go. Oh 
Okay, and we're back. Thank you so much for uh, listening this long. As always, however you can support us, uh, subscribe, like. Oklahoma, why don't you give us the fine print before we do our outro? The Nerd Obscurial Podcast is a Gadzooks and Nerd production. That's Gadzooks, G-A-D-Z-O-O-K-S. Find us on the web at gadzooksandnerd.com slash meow. Yes, meow, M-E-O-W. If you like the music, you can find more at gadzooksandnerd.com slash fields. That's fields, F-I-E-L-D-S. The Nerd Obscurial Podcast and its content are, except for this deal, this joke, joke, the wholly owned and copyrighted property of Gadzooks and Nerd. So don't go stealing any of it, except, of course, for the steal, this joke, joke, or we'll have to sick big pretzel on you. Any works, products, concepts, or otherwise intellectual property not owned by Gadzooks and Nerd mentioned or discussed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast are done so under fair use for the purpose of commentary, critique, and obviously comedy. So please don't sue us because we can't actually sick Big Bretzel on anyone. Or Big Bretzel right now because he's away at the corporate retreat in Bahama. We didn't get to go. The views, ideas, opinions, and beliefs expressed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast are solely those of its creators, which is to say your esteemed host, Eric the Troubadour, and me, the Oklahoma Kid, and do not represent the views, opinions, or beliefs of any individual or entity named, referenced, or alluded to in this podcast, including but not limited to Tina Majorino, Leonard Nimoy, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter and its parent companies, The Buggles, Alien Ant Farm and its parent companies, Tchaikovsky, Muhammad Ali, my wife and her parent companies, The Great State of Oklahoma, and of course all cats everywhere on the internet. Apologies to Tchaikovsky for not looking up his first name hail cthulhu probably should have googled tchaikovsky's first name but feel like russian leo i mean probably it's either that or igor you know or ivan maybe pretzels would like to take this chance you know what we're, pretzels is all about america we're america's bread and we're salty as fuck and we're great with mustard so you know what fuck you russia come at us bro that's right pretzels is calling russia out motherfuckers you know why <sighs> Because we are sweet and salty and mustardy and crisp and soft and amazing. We are America's bread and you don't fuck with this shit. Hell no. Pretzels. Let's get those commie motherfuckers. Not communist anymore. If they want to not be communist, Oklahoma. they need to stop with that communist bullshit. Did you see the Russian Olympics? Did you see the fucking Tokyo Olympics? No, of course you didn't. No one did. It was a shit show. Welcome back to Sports Talk. Okay, people. I was talking to my wife, and I was feeling all stressed out about all the stuff we have to do at our house. And I came to this realization, and it helped me. It probably shouldn't, but it did. Even if all of those tasks that are stressing me out were done, I would have more tasks that would stress me out. I'm not going to be happy. If, if I got all that shit done, I'm not going to feel better because I'd have all these other things. That were stressing me out. That were making me feel like I'm inferior. That I'm not doing where I should be. That I shouldn't be where I'm going to be. And it's one of the struggles of being an adult. Of trying to do your best while you're here. Is that it's never going to be good enough. And it shouldn't be good enough. It shouldn't. Because if it was, then we wouldn't try. And we got to try. We got to try to make things better. We got to try to fix every little thing. It's kind of hardwired into us. It's what makes us... A species. It's part of the human condition. And I guess I, I only share it because um, on this podcast, there's so many things that make me cringe. On sharing all this, there's so many ways which I wish that I was better, that all this was better. But when it came down to it, if that better came, then it would still not be good enough. And at one, some point, you need to just walk away and say that I'm doing the best that I can. I'm doing with what I worked with and 
know that that frustration of perfection is actually making things better. That that actually isn't a fault in your character. It's actually a benefit. That the fact that you aren't happy and that you're never going to be happy means that you're on the right path. Because you shouldn't be happy. Because things are fucked up and they're not going to get better. And you're going to be working against time because you're doing the best you can. But the alternative is going to make things so much worse. The alternative of just staying there and being complacent is going to make things so much harder on us. I don't know if that should give you solace or not. I don't know if that should be depressing as hell or not. But it's just something I wanted to share. It's something that gave me solace in some kind of way and gave me permission to tell myself that you're doing okay. And I want everybody out there listening to this saying that you are doing okay. It's not perfect. It's not where you want to be. But you're doing okay and you're doing the best you can. And if those words ring true in your heart, then you're doing better than most. Thank you so much for listening to us. We will see you in next episode. Thank you for enduring all of this and letting us develop along with you on how to do this and uh we'll catch you next time